It is Thursday the 29th of August. I'm your host Ryan Keir and this is the Quantium Cast. Before we get into today's focus stocks, I'd like to share an interesting statistic that shows China's economic growth slowing down. In fact, year-on-year GDP has fallen to its lowest level since 1992. That means that uh, Their recent figure was 6.2% growth, and at the uh, trough of the financial crisis, they had gained about 6.5% GDP. So there's a couple of ways to look at this. We can either see that uh, the nominal figure actually hasn't been decreasing. It could be increasing at a higher figure than previously before, but the percentage rate is lower because the actual GDP as time passes when you're doing 6%, 6%, 6% on average, say 6-7%, then you need to get more economic growth or you need more economic activity in particular to cover, say, 6%. Because 6% of 100 billion is only 6 billion, but 6% of a trillion is much more than that 6 billion mentioned and it could be really difficult for a country to source economic growth through economic activity to maintain those figures required. And when we're talking about recession risk, it's important to consider how Japan's economy is doing. A lot of people have said that the slowdown there and the trade war have knocked business confidence in Japan, a country also grappling with softer global demand for its exports such as electronic equipment and car parts. They are very, very reliant on those sectors mentioned. In fact, preliminary data showed GDP increased 0.4% in the second quarter, but we must notice that they were beating the expected 0.1% rise thanks to strong consumer spending. It seems Abenomics, Shinzo Abe, the uh, leader in Japan's policies seem to be working, but if we look actually at indice fluctuations on the Nikkei 225, you could actually disagree with that statement because the Nikkei 225 has underperformed against most of its index peers, such as the Dow Jones, the FTSE 100, and we could even bring in hmm, the Australian exchange. But I'm not sure if they would be a peer because they have significantly outperformed many of the ones mentioned, but have also had quite a lot more volatility in recent years. And it is also important to consider that the ASX has a significantly lower market capitalization in comparison to the ones mentioned, the indices, for example, the Dow Jones, the FTSE 100, etc. Okay, so to begin with our focus stocks for today, the 29th of August, we have Hunting PLC. Amigo Holdings PLC, and finally, one of my recent favorites, the Jim Group PLC. It'll be interesting to see how all of these reported results look like in a couple of seconds. So beginning with Hunting PLC, this company is an international energy services group. In fact, yesterday we had an international energy services group called Petrofac, where we looked at some of their results beating expectations a little bit, but not being as significant to ease the company's woes of the past with regards to their SFO investigation that is ongoing. But with 
hunting PLC, we can see that they had a reported revenue of $508.9 million. And this is up from half one 2018's $442.8 million. Their underlying earnings before tax, depreciation and amortization is up to the tune of about $5 million to $77.4 million. Their reported profit from operations is around 41.4 million, up only a couple million from 38.9 in half one 2018, the corresponding period. And uh, the interim dividend is up by about a cent, which equates to about 0.8 odd pence per share on top of what they previously would have paid. And uh, the company's net cash is reportedly down, but we shouldn't take this that seriously because the company may have just spread out some costs. They may have a bump in their cash figure later on in the year because this is the results for, I believe, yeah, these are the results for the first half of the year. So the cash is down around $28 million from 61 million in December 2018 to 33.4 million as of, I believe the 30th of June 2019. Hunting PLC actually acquired RTI Energy Systems Inc for a cash consideration of $12.5 million. And that was completed on the 16th of August, 2019. So about two weeks ago. And that may be one of the reasons as to why the company's cash balance has dropped. But it's always better to acquire an asset that could boost revenues and eventually boost profits or already boost profits. That, that could be a huge plus versus keeping cash and letting it lose its value as the years go on by. In fact, I read something the other day. If you had held cash under your mattress for 100 years, the buying power would have been absolutely useless. You'd have had something like 98% of the value be lost or, or 96. This was in dollar terms I was looking at. From 1932 to 2012. I'm quite a quant nerd myself, so I like uh, looking at these figures. One thing we can note is that the company's gross margin is down to the tune of about 2% to 29%, and uh, their EBITDA margin is down about 1%. It's not a big issue. They've mentioned it's impacted by hunting Titan, which accounts for another branch of their business. Titan, in fact, is uh, the industry manufacturing leader in perforating systems, wireline selective firing systems, cased hole logging instruments, nuclear detectors, and many more areas within energy services. Looking at everything on an aggregated basis, I think there's nothing special about these results, but the company themselves has stated that the first half of 2019 has delivered a strong set of results under difficult market conditions. And they said, yes, there was a general market uncertainty within the oil and gas industry, but their businesses, Hunting's businesses, in fact, are performing well with management focused on delivering the group's strategy of focused growth based on proprietary technology and a lot of other jargon used that we don't need to actually mention. But looking at the company's shares, they've made a 52-week high of 883, spot 5 pence per share, and a 52-week low of just over half shaved off that. 
at around 402 spot two pence per share. The shares closed at 429 spot eight last night or last evening as 435 market auction. And uh, that gave them a market cap of around 717 million pounds. Google says they're on a P of about 10. If I look at that half year report, I think 11 would be more realistic. But um, once again, these companies that do contracts could have seasonal business. And if they do get a good contract and money comes in, say, later on in the year, it is possible that their costs have already been concentrated in the first year. And so the PE could be even lower. But um, the company shares have been suffering in the past 52 weeks. They made lows back in 2018 of 450 pence, rallied all the way to 650, and now have made more recent lows at around 428 uh, on the 16th of August, in fact. Those were the lows made. And I assume the price probably dipped towards the 52-week lows of 402 momentarily then, and then uh, recovered a little bit. I, I assume this company's probably fair valued. Petrofac seems a little bit cheaper, but Petrofac actually has an ongoing regulatory investigation. So this company doesn't really have any problems and it is delivering modest growth in a sense. But anyways, I, I would look further into the company's previous results and see what the main reason is or reasons as to why the cash has decreased by such a large amount because 27, 28 million, yeah, half of that has gone on an acquisition. But what about the rest? The only explanation I can think of is a spread of costs. So this cash figure, I would look for it to recover in the second half of the year. If not, it would be a little bit worrying because the company is actually paying a dividend themselves. And now moving on to Amigo Holdings PLC. This company must be familiar with many of us. It is a leading provider of guarantor loans in the UK, and they have just announced their first quarter results for the period ending the 30th of June, 2019. I, I was quite worried to see results from this company, in fact, because they had IPO'd quite an expensive valuation. And uh, I, I can only, I can't help but think there is likely a correction ahead for this kind of company because when you list at such a high premium, you aren't really factoring a lot of risk in. And we could look at its peers who have been struggling, for example, Provident Financial, one that actually is delivering a profit at the moment, but is still lacking behind. Although their problems at the moment as to why their share price is holding back could be a result of Woodford selling off his holdings or couple of uh, issues with an ongoing regulation inquiry, I believe into, I think it's Vanquist Bank. I, I'm not totally sure. Or is it Money Barn? I believe they sorted their Vanquist Bank issue, but they haven't sorted the Money Barn yet. Uh, Money Barn was actually a huge cash cow for those guys. So it's slightly worrying. But anyways, getting back to Amigo's results, we can see that their profit after tax is up 47.2% to 18.1 million pounds. Impressive stuff for just one quarter alone. Gives them an earnings per share of about 3.8 pence there. 
and if we adjust that it's 4.3 pence I assume if we repeat this throughout the four quarters in the year the company will have a P ratio of about seven and a half to eight uh, maybe a little bit over but um, I find it worrying that the company's shares have been battered so much as a recent they had post IPO highs of around 300 pence per share and I think they closed towards a 52 week low on Wednesday at uh, 146.2 pence but in fact they had dripped from 155 from 3 p.m. all the way to 4.30 p.m. where they had quite a bit of selling action going on. Uh, the loan book has been doing quite well though for them, a 14.1% increase year on year to 728.4 million pounds. And the net loan book as of quarter four full year 2019 was 707.6 million. So in the quarter, they've actually increased by 20 million pounds, approximately 3%. So don't be fooled by the figure shown there. They've had a good bit of revenue growth in comparison to the previous quarter in the corresponding year. So not actually quarter four 2019 as they've shown because accounting dates are, are quite different. We talk in tax years, not in actual calendar years or lunar years as many of us look at it. But um, their revenue growth had increased by something like 13.7% to 71.5 million pounds. So if we look at the total one in quarter one 2020, the most recent quarter that they've reported for, they have taken revenue of 71.5 million as we've mentioned. In quarter one in the previous year, they had taken 62.9 million pounds in as revenue. So they've got an all right margin. I believe it should be something like 25% or so as their profit after tax margin or their net profit margin as we could put it. Um, which is really impressive to be making that much of a margin on a profit for year basis. That, I can't really argue with it. But the issue is when a company like this increases their loan book, they are increasing their exposure because how many of your clients will default on payments? What if you are mis-selling loans? We could look at uh, Wonga. Wonga actually went into administration and the current process going on with them is that they are trying to compensate customers who were sold loans or had taken out loans at extremely high interest rates and were also quote unquote missold loans. A lot of the people who actually took out these loans knew that uh, they would likely be unable to pay them off. But yet now a lot of them have been written off because Wonga is now into administration. That's quite a worrying bit that I need to actually mention in the company's results, they've said that impairments are likely to remain at a higher level. So that will affect their profits. And they have taken the decision to amend their guidance for the full year ahead. And this amendment of guidance is for the net loan book growth, the impairment revenue ratio and the cost to income ratio. It seems that they are decreasing those figures, not really a positive bit. And I could assume there was only a leak on this situation. As a result of yesterday's drop in the share price, the company as a whole isn't extremely overvalued nor undervalued, 
I assume though that it has a bit of room to go on the downside. It is unfortunate because lenders have had it quite difficult, but uh, I guess a lot of members of the public would rejoice at this kind of thing as these companies are known to be very unethical. They would charge a lot and ruin people's credit scores and lead to people not being able to come onto the property ladder or get business loans in the future, say, uh, or just take out a loan, say, finance for a car at a decent rate. So the company's shares have been in a downtrend since their IPO back in June 2018. And we can see that uh, 52 week lows are actually at 135 spot 60 and 52 week highs are at 297 spot 50. So they are about 50%, if not a little bit above that, uh, lower than the previous highs made in 2018, just post IPO. I think they rallied a little bit, nothing too huge, but uh, they have recently hit something like 173 in March 2019, went all the way to 257 in April 2019, and even made highs of around 276 in June 2019 and completely fell off a cliff, I assume as a result of previous results. And finally, the Gym Group PLC. This is a company that I've been following, more so on a technical setup, and I had a trade in them recently, but uh, they are, for people who are already unaware of what they do, a nationwide operator of 166 low-cost, 24-7 no-contract gyms which is quite impressive. These guys have uh, mentioned that today they've released their interim results for the six month period ended the 30th of June, 2019, and they've shown revenue being up 26.9% to 74 million pounds, just under 74 million pounds in fact. And that is up from 58 million in the corresponding period in 2018. Adjusted EBITDA is up 28% to the tune of about 6 million pounds, but for the additional revenue growth of around 15 million pounds, that growth in EBITDA isn't that great. Uh, adjusted profit before tax is up 53.3%, but before you get excited, it's only up to the tune of about two and a half million pounds, as uh, their adjusted profit before tax is at 7 0.1 million pounds, giving them an adjusted earnings per share of about 4 million pounds. Decent figures on their free cash flow, up 17 odd percent to about 16 million pounds. Uh, I don't really see anything bad here. The company's shares stand at around 240 pence per share, with 52 week lows of around 185 pence per share and 52 week highs of around 344 pence per share. So they are up around 50% from lows and down at least a third from highs. The company has been rallying in fact from lows all the way back in March and uh, they made highs of something like 266 on the 25th of July before falling back to 230, 240-ish. There was a good setup on the chart around that 250 area, but I assume I'd be stopped out if I'd opened a longer term position. I, I was uh, active around that 238 level, but uh, now it looks to break down below that level. But the company is showing quite a bit of growth. They have opened 
eight new gyms in half one 2019. Once again, bringing the total estate to just under 166 as they're finalizing the 166th acquisition. Membership numbers have increased by 10.6% to 796,000 individuals. And uh, the company seems to actually have had a really successful marketing scheme. They had given six weeks free access to individuals and all they had to do to cancel it is just call in or go into a local gym that was owned by the gym group and just say, look, I wanna cancel it. But imagine how many of these people actually go through that with uh, their low cost packages. It could be a great idea for people to just actually use the gym as opposed to using more expensive gyms. Local to me, there's a gym called Roco. They charge something like £49.99 a month, although you do have a couple of amenities with it. It's really expensive. Pure Gym, just down the road, which I go to, is uh, about 20 odd pounds, depending on what package. If you're a student, it's 13.99 if you get a fixed package a month, if you pay up front. So there are a lot of variations in the pricing for gyms, but these guys are even lower than that, I believe at least from a couple of people who I've spoken to. But that could be a main reason as to why the company's membership numbers have been increasing. They've shown that the average revenue per member is something like £15.47 a month, and it's up from £14.65 in the corresponding period, half one, 2018. A lot of it, in fact, is due to obviously the packages, but uh, about 16% of that has come from rental income from personal trainers under the new gym team operating model. They've mentioned that in the first two months of half two, the companies continued to trade well and in line with their expectations, they're on track to meet opening schedule of 15 to 20 standard catchment gyms in 2019. And they've got a small box site that is opening in Newark, Nottinghamshire, at a capital cost of about 700 to 750,000 pounds. And the company is on track, in fact, to achieve their financial and operational plans for the year. So this is not a bad report. The company's CEO has actually mentioned that our rapid and profitable growth has been achieved through high quality, great value gyms that offer fitness and affordable and all those things. But that's not even important in this current situation. What CEO would talk badly of the company? All right, well anyways, <laughs> we need to know that uh, the company's net debt, non-property net debt actually, which is a figure that we can find right here, they have that broadly flat at around 47.2 million pounds, up a little bit from 46 million pounds in December 2018. They've had an interim dividend of about 0.45 pence per share declared, and that's up 28.6% from 0.35 pence in the corresponding period, half one 2018. But uh, there is a lot of uh, uncertainty as to how the market will actually take this RNS because the price, or I believe the market cap in fact, is 330 million pounds. So the P ratio on these guys doesn't look that pretty to say the least. Something like 7 million in profit and 330 million in a market cap will likely give them a P ratio of around 25, assuming we just use a bit of extrapolation. So they earn, say, the same in half one as they do in half two. 
that is coming up later on in the year. And that wraps up today's episode of the Quantum Cast. This has been quite a long episode, but we wanted to include a little bit of macro analysis for those who are confused as to what's going on at the moment. With recession risks and recession fears at the moment, we should be focusing on facts and figures and actual data instead of news reports saying that, oh, uh, China trade wars, Brexit, whatever. In reality, I mean, I could use this example. I haven't been following any Brexit related news. I haven't muted anything. I just scroll right down as soon as I read anything to it because it's just fear mongering at the moment. If there is a slowdown in growth, we as investors must adjust our portfolio exposures accordingly. We will soon have a special coming out on a macroeconomic roundup, but also a bit of discussion as to what is next for the global economy. But anyways, I've been your host, Ryan Keir. Until next time.